Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today, I bring you my conversation with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson, comedians, mothers, and hosts of the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. What Fresh Hell regularly ranks at the top of the parenting and kids and family charts on Apple Podcasts and is nearing 2 million lifetime downloads. In each episode, Margaret and Amy discuss a parenting topic from their usually completely opposite perspectives. Today, we will discuss a variety of minimalist topics from older children, toys, living in small spaces, and just the overall weight of having too much. But before we get to the interview, would you say that you benefit from listening to the Minimalist Moms podcast? If so, it helps enormously to share it with your friends and to follow the Minimalist Moms Instagram page. I'm really wanting to build up our community this summer and to gain your insight regarding what you want to hear next. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to leave a rating and review. What are you waiting for? It only takes less than a minute and it really does help me produce higher quality content and creators. So... As always, I just really appreciate you listening, your encouragement, and all the support that I've had from you guys just over the last handful of years. I know that that's kind of silly to say just kind of out of the blue, but I just really do appreciate your support and all the kind words that I've heard from you all. And now for my interview with Amy and Margaret. Margaret, Amy, thank you so much for joining me on the Minimalist Moms podcast this morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks. I cannot wait to talk to you. I was telling you before we hopped on the call that I've been a listener of your guys's for a few years now. So I'm excited just to have you here and to talk a little bit more about minimalism and how it's affected your life. But before we get into it, why don't you fill listeners in if they're not familiar with you a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do. And if you want to Whoever wants to start, we can kind of stay in that order. (laughs) Sure, I'll start. Uh, We are, I'm Margaret Abels. I'll speak for myself. Uh, Together with Amy, we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, which is a comedy podcast for moms, uh, where we tackle parenting issues with hopefully a lot of information, but even more laughter, and we kind of share our perspectives. That was good, Margaret. That was Thank you. That was a good basic description. Okay, so we've been around since 2016, and we knew each other. Margaret and I first met uh, because I was in a comedy group in college with her sister. So we go. We won't say when that was, but it was back. a while back. Yes, like so. Our our um, acquaintanceship and our like laughing at the same things has gone back many years, mm-hmm. but we really have gotten to know each other and each other's parenting styles through doing 150 episodes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we tend to be pretty opposite in our points of view on many things, not everything. And I think we, in almost every episode, we kind of come around to a sort of middle ground that we both feel really good about, but we tend, the average thing we tend to approach pretty differently. Yeah, but I do appreciate the varying perspectives. I think that that makes for a really dynamic conversation. So for listeners that haven't checked you guys out, I highly recommend your show and I'll put a link to it obviously in the podcast show notes. But I would say that you don't necessarily discuss 
minimalism per se, but minimalism is woven into a lot of your conversations that you have. So I'm curious to know if you both consider yourself minimalist. I want to hear about what that might look like in your lives. I am a recovery. This is Margaret. I am a recovering maximalist and an aspiring minimalist. I tend to draw chaos towards myself and always have. I was a disorganized <laughs> child and I was the my my uncle was famous for at some point walking by my room and screaming, there's a grenade that's gone off upstairs. Like I mean just stuff in every single direction. Um I'm a whirling dervish naturally and so I fight towards minimalism and the older I get, the more I don't ever want to own anything else ever. And I find minimalism is becoming almost an obsession of mine. Uh, this is Amy and I, I am a minimalist and this you know present moment that we're in has been challenging because I like my house to be very neat. I like my counters and my tables to have nothing on them. And of course that is impossible right now, but like my standards... Last night, I was like, nobody gets to disappear to the screens and the TVs until the kitchen is completely what I call back to one, like, right, like reset to zero. And I mean, the, the counters, this, the, the pots, not only wash and dry, but put away. And everybody just wanders away when it's like 60% done because, and I just realized it's a difference in perception. Like to them, it is done. Like the dishes are washed. I'm like, yeah, but they're all over the counters. Let's, let's take the 10 more minutes and put them away in the drawers. That's not something they need in order to sit down and relax. And it kind of is something I need. I have a hard time sitting down and watching TV when the kitchen is still half messy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm uh, experiencing that right now as a struggle to be minimalist in a, a house with everybody home all the time is nearly impossible. Yeah, you're actually living in your spaces all day as opposed to just a couple hours here and there where you can do the quick reset. I'm finding the same in my home. And we're going to be talking about smaller spaces and minimalism in those spaces today. So I'm curious to know, what has it looked like for you to live in a smaller space and practicing minimalism? Has it forced you, obviously, to practice minimalism? So I live in an apartment that's big for an apartment. I always say it's big for an apartment and small for a house, right? Because I don't have, of course, an attic a basement, a rec room, a playroom, a guest room. I don't have a garage. I don't have any of those things. But what makes my apartment especially minimalist and forcing is I've lived in a couple of different apartments in New York City. This one that I've lived in now for seven years um, is a very modern apartment. So we have all glass. So when I moved into this apartment, I had no walls, basically. Like we don't have, you know, cabinets and storage units and the things that you tend to inherit when you move into a space, the bookshelves or whatever. My, my walls are glass. And so I had to go from an old fashioned apartment where I did have cabinets and this and built-ins to no built-ins anywhere in the house. That forced a radical minimalism that was actually at a good time because my kids were sort of rounding the corner of needing 10,000 toys to needing 10 toys. And so it was a good forced get rid of it all time. What about for you, Margaret? What is your space like? So we moved from Los Angeles where we were in a, a thousand square foot house. And we now live in the suburbs of Manhattan in about a uh, almost 3,000 square foot house. So it's a big house, but 
I have found living in 600 square feet and 3,000 square feet. I mean, 600 square feet with one person is now I'm 3,000 square feet with five people. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it ratchets up, right? I don't find myself like, what will we do with all this space? I mean, somehow the garage keeps filling, the attics keep filling. We also have a modern house and it doesn't have a ton of storage, but um and then just as you go along, you know, my mom passed away and we emptied her storage unit. Now that's all in the house. We have 16 boxes of China from my dad's father's hotel that he used to run. I mean, the stuff just keeps on coming from all directions. And the older you get, the more lines of stuff are coming in. Do you have, I guess, intent on starting to declutter that or are you content? Yes, no, no, I, I, I have gotten pretty good about the decluttering mm-hmm. and kind of giving certain things space. Like I inherited basically all the family photos and movies and I made a space for them and they live there and I'm getting through them, but I try not to create spaces for junk. That's my big overarching thing. Like I don't mind having a space where the patio furniture pillows have Mm -hmm. to live, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to create space that's like, here's all the kids' toys that we might want to take away. I try to get that stuff right out the door. And then just having three kids who are school age, my kids are 11, nine, and seven. We often describe it as the barfing backpacks. Like every Mm -hmm. single day, we're not dealing with this right now, but you know, they come home and there's just papers flying out of the backpacks and 800 notices and this is what's going on at the rec center and this is what's going on and here's their homework and here's a project they did. And I I have really changed my mindset in terms of 90% of things go into the recycling, the garbage, or the donate pile. Yeah, that's great. Actually, my next question for you both is, I know, Margaret, you're not living in such a small place right now, but you have at one point. So what are your guys' tips for living in smaller spaces, particularly in a small space in New York City, you're not having a lot of that wall space that you can utilize as well. So my kids' closets are tiny, like you'd have in a, like a Tokyo hotel room, like they can fit eight shirts and four pairs of pants. And so it's, it's kind of good because it just requires this ruthless editing as you go. So I have a big, oh gosh, Fresh Direct, which does grocery delivery in New York City has these amazing heavy reusable plastic bags that fit everything. They're like the miracle bag. So I always have one going in my master closet and things just go in there immediately. Right. So I I always have a thrift shop bag going and probably twice a year, I go through each of my kids' closets and find the, you would think there wouldn't be that much, but twice a year, somehow my kids are all, my kids are 12, 15 and 17. So I guess my 17 year old is just about done growing, mm-hmm. but the 12 year old and 15 year old are in that steep incline of like, what, this doesn't fit you. I just got you this. Mm-hmm. So we have to be pulling that stuff out all the time and sort of always have that, uh, thrift shop bag going. It just makes it easier. If you always have a place to put it, then you're not like, Oh, I really need to get to this. It's right there. Just drop it in. Or, or even I've heard people say, have it near your washer and dryer, if you have a washer and dryer in your house, so that you don't have to, when you, when you shrink the sweatshirt and it's clearly too small, just put it in the bag right then. Don't put it away mm-hmm. and then take it back out. Mm-hmm. For me, the, the game changer has been that garbage stops at the front door, not at the garbage can, basically, that you have to stop stuff from coming in your house. Mm-hmm. And 
we were recently at a conference and talking to um, Gretchen Rubin, who's kind of an expert on all of these things. And she said, I don't take any swag. Conferences, like everywhere you go, here, here's a bag. Here's a set of free headphones. Some of the stuff is like, here's eight notebooks with a cute logo on them. And it was such a thought changer to me. Like, oh, it's free and it's pretty and it's nice. But when you take it into your house, it becomes an item that you now are moving around from room to room because you don't quite know what to do with this, mm-hmm. you know, cute logo thing that maybe holds your iPhone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, goodie bags. We try not to take goodie bags. We don't produce goodie bags. It's one of my, um, what do you call don't it? Don't get us started. Don't, don't get us started. started. I have a whole thing about them. But like, again, the great garbage exchange, we've cut back on gift giving at Christmas. Like, I don't need to get presents from 12 people at Christmas mm-hmm. that then become part of the rotating junk pile in my home. Mm-hmm. And so I think minimalism starts with the acquiring. It doesn't start with the cleaning out necessarily. Mm-hmm. As you create a thrift shop bag, I think it's important that the person, I mean, you can just give it to the church if you want, but I, I like to give stuff to a specific person, particularly if like, like, look at this gorgeous Christmas dress my daughter wore once. Look at this first communion veil, whatever. Like, don't just throw it in the bag. Like, who could actually use this? Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to always, uh, that's a double opt-in process. You know what I mean? Like, I, Margaret's daughter is enough younger than my daughter mm-hmm. that I, my daughter had stuff that would fit her, but I always... <laughs> take a picture, uh, whether it's my sister or Margaret or whoever, like, do you want this, right? Do you want this bag of dress up clothes before I just like with a, with a lighter heart, drop it on your front porch. Mm -hmm. My husband has a habit. He doesn't like to throw things away. He has somehow inherited, we all say like his grandmother's great depression mentality that nothing should ever be thrown away. Yeah. And so when he goes through his closet and find something that he thinks he isn't going to wear anymore or is too small on him. He likes to sneak it into our son's closets. One of our son, just, just walk it in down the hall. And remember I said, these closets are like, they're so tiny. They're like military barracks closets. And my 17 year old would be like, what's this? And he pulls out some like crazy collared floral work shirt. My son is also four inches taller than my husband, by the way. Like there's no way, yeah. there's no way he's wearing his dad's hand-me-downs. But yeah, so I have to explain that repeatedly to my husband that the the getting rid of your uh, stuff shouldn't become somebody else's problem. Yeah, I do think that that can be somewhat of a generational thing. Like you said, the Great Depression mentality. I feel like my dad is somewhat similar in that he has kept even a great... It's it's kind of fun. He has a ton of our toys from childhood, which is kind of fun because you can still play with them and my children do play with them. But other things, I, I think plastic has a life of maybe 30 years until it starts to deteriorate. And even some of the toys from my childhood are starting to deteriorate, which is really fascinating. But I do think that there is that mentality of you keep it till you're dead and then it's someone else's problem. I've noticed that. And then, like you said, Margaret, kind of cutting that trash off at the door, how important that is. And in gift giving in particularly, it's like, why are we just exchanging $20 gift cards or $20? Like if our limit is $20, why don't we just all save our $20 and enjoy the company of one another as opposed to having something come into my house, whatever it might be, this $20 item that I now have to put find a home for. So I think that's a really good point. I have some hope, although it, it, it might be misguided, but that this time that we're in is a forced reckoning with need, really. Like mm-hmm. yeah. we don't need to take our kids 
to eight different soccer practices a week. We don't need our kid to be going to 20 birthday parties a month. We don't need any of these things. We don't need to be getting six Amazon deliveries a day full of everything our kid mentioned during the week that they might want because, oh, look, they're drawing. I should get them an elaborate pencil set. Guess what? They can go through the art box that we have and dig out some stuff and use that. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful that my family can take that lesson forward a little bit about we don't need to be exchanging 30 presents at Christmas. We don't need so much of the things that have become routine Mm -hmm. and kind of joyless routine, you know? And my kids now are always like, oh, I need a new whatever phone cover for my my whatever gaming system, you know? Mm -hmm. And... I keep saying, we're not ordering anything right now. And guess what? They survive. I feel like in the old days, I would just, well, if you have the money from First Communion, you could buy it. Mm-hmm. We're just cutting back on so much of that stuff. And I hope it sticks. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I love the force. Did you say forced reckoning? Is that how you? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I actually great. just read an article this morning that in this time, it was written by somebody whose spouse is a, um, uh, works for the post office, mm-hmm. you know, delivering packages. And of course, Amazon um, subcontracts USPS. Mm-hmm. And she just was like, please don't let your boredom, you know, laziness, whatever, like, yeah, like stop ordering the, I ordered hair vitamins this week. I did. I feel pretty bad about that. Like <laughs> stop ordering the thing you don't need, the thing you just kind of, you know, I'm scratching the ish. I'm, I'm clicking add to cart and we shouldn't. There's actually like a health reason not to make that guy deliver my stupid hair vitamins. Wait another week. Yeah. Our neighbor is a plumber and he was saying, I don't mind. He's an essential worker, but he said, I don't mind going out and fixing someone whose basement is flooded, but I'm not going out and installing the fifth toilet in your vacation house. Like Mm -hmm. there's a difference between essential and essential. And I feel like that's the lesson that I'm trying to learn from this thing. Like the yeah. word essential, what does that really mean? Essential doesn't mean like, well, my kid has to take gymnastics three times a week because he likes it. Mm-hmm. It's essential. Yeah. I'm hopeful as well that this is going to shift, you're right, what is essential in our society. And I do think that I've already seen it from family members that I would never expect to be preaching that same thought process. So I am hopeful as well. Finding the perfect present for mom is tough, especially if I don't have the luxury of celebrating Mother's Day in person. I know that more than anything, parents cherish spending time with family, and that's why I'm giving my mom the most meaningful gift of the year, a chance to connect with loved ones through StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a fun and meaningful way we can engage with our family, especially those that you don't get to see very often. It really helps to bridge the distance by providing lively discussion topics. How does it work, you may ask? Well, every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions that you would never think to ask, like what have been some of your life's greatest surprises and what's one of the riskiest things you've ever done. Reading the weekly stories is fun and makes our family feel close, even if we're not all together, especially during this time of quarantine. I loved finding out more about my parents' love story, how they first met, started dating, and when they were married. Just all the little details were so special to me, and I was so happy that StoryWorth was there to kind of fill in the blanks that I hadn't yet known. After one year of answering these questions, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and photo you choose to include into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. 
My family will honestly treasure this book forever. Give your mom the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash minimalist. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash minimalist for $10 off. And now back to my conversation with Amy and Margaret. I'm curious though, going back to, I like how you said that about the book bags, they're being, they would just like explode. How did you say it? You said they're barfing. barfing. They're yeah. the barfing book bags. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what you said. Okay. So I think it's harder to control what our children are bringing in. So I want to talk about how we can get our children to help us stop all of that stuff coming in. And does it make a difference if they're younger or older? What does it look like for you both now that you have older children to control that? The stuff that's coming home from school is difficult because they, my kids are second, fourth and sixth grade. So a lot of it is for some of them, it is literally being put in a folder that they're bringing home. But my kids on average, I would say bring home 10 pieces of paper a day. Uh, One thing that I've been interested in is my kids have gotten a lot of the curriculum around science right now is, I think, sometimes a little too depressingly about environmentalism. Everything, because I'm homeschooling my kids now, I see a lot of the work and it's just like, here's a beautiful seal. It's eating garbage. You know, it's just, it's a little too much sometimes. Like, can we just learn about the seal without like seeing the giant pile of garbage? But maybe we can't. But I have been trying to really tie that lesson into them with stuff. It's not other people throwing away their garbage. It's us consuming too many things. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things my kids have all agreed to do, this is not some big revelation, is stop getting Happy Meals from McDonald's. I'm like, we don't need that little stupid toy that comes with it. (laughs) And where do you think that ends up? That ends up on that poor seal's beach eventually. Mm -hmm. Well, I put it in the garbage. And so I've been trying to tie together their like, budding interest in environmentalism and greenness Mm -hmm. with our actual behavior. Yeah. And I think it helps. I think that's great. What were you going to say, Amy? Well, my kids barfing backpacks, um, when you have high schoolers, it gets a little harder, right? Because I have, I have one kid in particular who's extremely messy and disorganized and he would never clean out his backpack if I didn't say, time to clean out your backpack. And then we have a fight over it and, you know, that kind of thing. And in the past, I have just been an elf that once in a while just goes in and cleans out that backpack, gets the candy bars and the, the garbage and whatever out of it and throw it away. Mm-hmm. It's funny. He never, um, he doesn't like it when I tell him to do it. That's always a fight. He's perfectly happy that the elves come in the night and do it. Like he's never been like, did you touch my backpack? Like he knows I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. it's something that's hard for him to I don't know. He doesn't see it. He finds it overwhelming, whatever, but I have to outsource some of that right now. And, um, it's what I've been trying to do for that kid is come up with a system. I realized that the system for organizing has to be extremely simple, mm-hmm. has to be something that they take ownership of. And it has to be something that's visible. Like for me as a minimalist, I wanted in a beautiful box with a cover that goes on a shelf and it looks like, right. It looks like an object, but it's actually my bills. Mm-hmm. Um, for this kid, we have a folder, a hanging folder for each class. And once a week, I'm like, okay, time to just take all that stuff in your backpack and put it in the right folder. But it needs to be like out in his room with English and social studies and science, you know, labels that he wrote visible. It has to be sort of at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
otherwise, and of course it's much neater than it used to be, but yeah, my instinct is to make it almost invisible and it's, and it's minimalist organization and it needs to be extremely visible and color coded and easy in order for him to want to use it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of working. We have no choice right now, right? We're home all the time. So last night I, I, I let him off the hook of cleaning the kitchen with the rest of us. I'm like, you need to go spend 15 minutes on your schoolwork, which, you know, it just it looked like a, uh, you know, like the nutty professor in there and he, he managed to reorganize it all. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's worked for me. I, I, off, you know, offloading it onto them is making the organization very brightly colored and visible. Yeah, it's easy for me to think that I know how I'm going to handle it when my children are older. I have a six-month-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a five-year-old, so I'm not quite oh, there thoughts yet. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> We've been there. So oh, I'm not fun. quite there yet, and I do have these grand ideas of how I want it, want it to look like. I put that in quotes. But I guess... You said that you were going from like 10,000 toys to 10 toys. I know that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I guess what does that look like in having older kids? Talk to me about minimalism with older children. I know this is kind of off the cuff, but I'm just actually curious to get your guys' input. We have a board game closet that with, you know, board games and puzzles in it on some shelves. And um, it was underused until very recently. And now, of course, I'm so glad I have it um, because there is a lot of video gaming going on, but they this has been going on long enough and they're bored enough that they'll play clue. Like they'll, they'll do the puzzle with me. And I actually read, this is not my idea, but I thought it was a great tip in this moment. When your kid is feeling industrious, have them make a checklist of all the games and puzzles or whatever that you have. And then as you play with each one, you can put a check next to it. And that both helps them see like, Oh, I have infinite possibility. There are 18 games in this closet, but it also helps you see when we all go back outside uh, oh, these eight games we didn't touch. So those are the ones we can give away. The rejects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like the vegan cheese at the supermarket. Thank you for right. it. Like it's sitting there so sadly. Um, yeah, I, I've been very shocked to have the development that one of my children is not neat freak. Like this just, from my DNA, I, I'm shocked. My husband is... He's middle of the road. Like he's just a go along, get along kind of guy. And he's he adapts to his circumstances. He's either messy or neat. I bring out the messy in him and you know, he's either. But my oldest boy really, and he shares a room with his brother and he likes his stuff just so, which just cracks me up. I don't know. It's it's shocking to mm-hmm. me. And so he I have had to like break up fights because the brother makes a mess and he's like, Don't leave there, stop. But we've started a nightly like reset in the room and it it's working really nicely, but I don't think I could do it without his buy-in. You know, I don't think I would have the energy every night to harangue three kids into cleaning up nightly. I'm so tired at the end of the day. I'm like, oh, I'll just go to bed. We'll deal with it tomorrow. So that's what kind of a fun development that he's running the show of neatness upstairs. <laughs> I'm like, take it downstairs next. Come on, man. No, I I can see that in my daughter's personality too. She definitely likes to clean up more than her brother. Her brother, who's two and a half, was asleep the other night. And I just went in there with my podcast and my headphones and just cleaned his room. And the next morning when I went to get him, he was, he plays before he comes out of his room in the morning. (laughs) It it was destroyed again within like (laughs) 10 hours. So um, I would for sure say like a two and a half year old, I I gave up a lot on keeping the house that clean. I mean, I just feel like. I don't know. I feel like Amy couldn't sleep at night knowing that the playroom was destroyed, but I just got to a point of, of doing it once a week or so. It just, it's too Sisyphusian to just do it every single, it just feels, I feel like it's so soul crushing to spend too much time cleaning when you've got kids that age. 
I, I just I leaned to, into the chaos. I had a little bit of a middle ground, I think, on it, which was that, yes, I saw we, we had a playroom in our apartment and mm-hmm. it was in the middle of our apartment, right? Mm-hmm. You could see it from our front door. Um, so I would, you know, kind of reset it when the kids went to bed every night. But I did, I wasn't interested in having my living space look like kids didn't live there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do know people whose houses don't have any evidence of children because the I toys are relegated. So I do too. To, to a, Whenever to you go, theory. you're like, where are the children? Right. And the, and the toys are in like a tiny corner of the basement. I'm like, I like, and I am a minimalist, but I don't think that that's, a, uh, you know, a worthy goal for somebody with three kids under five. I think it's, okay for it to look like kids live there mm-hmm. maybe they just get pushed to the edges at night there is a lot of stuff that comes out i mean i'm just at the phase now that we had a playroom you know like dinosaur rug buckets mm-hmm. of toys it was really you know a million board books and i'm just in the process we just started it actually a couple of weeks ago yeah, we took the Lego table and we pulled the Lego stuff off. We sanded it down and we made it a computer table. So now mm-hmm. it's a workspace for one of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we pulled out all the books and now they're, I mean, it's still Magic Treehouse books. It's readable books and Harry Potter books. And it's still books, but it's not 8,000 board books. It's like little collections of books. It That does really get better. The thing of everywhere you look, there's 8 million, whatever, poly pocket things. I mean, you, you get rid of those things, which is very helpful. I think my biggest concern, I guess, for the future is that we have tried to create a foundation of minimalism in our home. My husband and I are both on board, and we do live with fewer toys than I'd say maybe is the norm, but there are going to be those annoying little shopkins. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Those things that are not as eye-appealing. So I know that Charlotte will come home with these things, and my only idea is you can have a box of this in your room and let's try and keep it to this box. So do you guys have experience with things coming into your home that you don't want in your home, but you have to have in your home? Oh, we are deep in LOL doll nightmare. And LOL dolls are just, I mean, I just look at them and I'm like, this is just earth murdering, monstrous plastic. They come in these heavy plastic spheres Mm -hmm. and then you open this giant plastic sphere and there's a tiny doll inside and it's all like collect as many spheres Mm -hmm. as you can and i i mean if you got 40 of these things they would cover an entire room floor they're huge Mm -hmm. and they're just this hard plastic and i I, it makes my skin itch Mm -hmm. and so i've been going back and forth with my daughter she loves them. She had an LOL doll themed party. I mean, she's way in. Mm-hmm. All of her friends are into them. And we've kind of kept it at bay. And I will say the only thing I can say for it is it was pretty short-lived. Then mm-hmm. we ended up inheriting a wooden dollhouse of my sister's that we've been redecorating. Mm-hmm. So she's eight. When she was six, she was really into LOL dolls. Mm-hmm. And I probably could have kept it a little bit more at bay, but I will say those fads are very short. That's one thing I'll say for them. Like no kid is into Shopkins for five years straight. I shouldn't (laughs) say no kid, but most kids are not. They're into them for like six months at a time. And so I think you can fight back. And even with my daughter, who's really into turtles, I'm like, picture where this sphere is going to be in Mm -hmm. a couple of years. You know, I try to tie it into like, I don't want you not to have these because I'm mean and I'm snobby about LOL dolls, which I am, both of those things. But I don't want you to have them because they will be here when your grandchildren are roaming the earth, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, it's not a hundred percent success rate, but I definitely push back on that stuff. It's not even an aesthetic thing. I mean, my house looks ridiculous because it's full of nonsense, but <laughs> it's just a thing of the hard plastic toys I find soul crushing. <laughs> Do you have anything else <laughs> to say about that, Amy? Well, um, my uh, 12-year-old is just, you know, kind of coming out of her American girl phase. We actually have as many toys as, like, the American girl stuff as, like, the Rockefeller Center. <laughs> um, you could open your store. store. Yeah, I have a flagship. American girl South. There's a flagship store under my daughter's bed. And uh, she has always been in charge of organizing it. And it's, like, it's eaten her room at this point. Mm-hmm. And, um she, the good news is, is whenever I say to her, like, you need to organize, you need to organize this. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to like, you know, uh, begin to address if you ever do want to save these for your cousin, mm-hmm. you know, maybe here's a, here's a bin. You could just put all the play food together. As soon as I suggest that she sits down to organize it. And then what do you think happens for the next two hours? She is lost in, you know, mm-hmm. in the world again, which is mm-hmm. of course, I will be so sorry when that stuff is is gone and no longer holds any appeal for her that of course I let her do it, but it, it like it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And one useful tip I heard for this is when you have your kids have this set to let them organize, don't don't put too much like how it should be organized is something they should decide, not you. So I went through this with her. And I, you know, I got a couple of bins. I'm like, okay, I so you could put all the food stuff in here, all the camping stuff in here. But I kind of caught myself. I'm like, why don't you tell me? She was little. So I was mm-hmm. like writing the labels for her. Why don't you tell me what you want this label to say? And she said, um, make one that says warmth. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, warmth. And then she wanted to put in it anything that you would need to keep warm. Yeah. And, do, you know, like, and that like really strange idea to me totally made sense to her. Or like a kid might want to organize their action figures by like blue eyes and black eyes. Like yeah. it, 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 their system is their system and let it be. No, that's a really great idea. That's fun. I like that a lot. Well, a couple more questions here for you. Um, one is just for the time that we're experiencing right now. Has there been anything that you wish you wouldn't have minimized now that we're home? That's a good question. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, there's definitely stuff that I, I I tend to go in spurts with these huge cleanups, and then then there's stuff now that I go to like I got rid of. Uh, we had a helmet collection. I was like, we'll figure this out later, and I just got rid of a lot of the helmets. And now um, we go to bike, and I'm like sticking oh, yeah. my you know 11 year old in a tiny Star Wars helmet that's like barely sitting on top of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- I tend to over you know get crazy with the cleaning out and I throw out stuff that we actually need. But I'm finding generally now that, as I said, this idea of minimalism just seems so correct to me in these times. And I we have now an entire closet because nobody's doing the pickups right now that is dedicated to stuff that's going away. And yeah. it's, it's a huge pile because I'm really just finding that right now what I want to do is... I want to live in a clean space, first of all, because we're home all the time. And generally, I'm not like Amy's always like, I can't I can't sit and read if there's a dish out in the kitchen. I have That is not in my DNA. I'm like, I don't care. I'll sit and read and the kitchen's a mess. Mm-hmm. But I do find right now that it's bringing out the Amy in me. Like, I don't want to walk out every morning to a living room that looks like a bomb exploded. And I really, really want things clean. And the only way to do that with five people living together is not have the stuff, not have yeah. the eight buckets of shoes. Like 
y'all get two two pairs of shoes, a good <laughs> pair and a play pair, and that is it. And maybe sandals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the the key for us, because we're not naturally neat people, mm-hmm. is it can't be there. If my daughter has six 60 outfits hanging in her closet because we are the long line of girl cousins where she's the youngest. So we get so many Mm hand-me-downs and we end up with all of this clothes, all of these clothes. And, you know, there'll be a day where she's like, I'll just try clothes on. And then 60 outfits are on the floor and I'm going crazy. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's got to start with less stuff. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, where can listeners find the two of you if they want to connect and hear your show? Um, you can search any you know podcast platform for What Fresh Hell, and you will find our podcast. Um, you can always go to our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com, and where we really like to interact with our listeners is on Facebook, where we have a page and a group where our listeners interact with one another, which is so helpful right now. I mean, I love going to that group. I get up in the morning, I have my coffee, and I go to our What Fresh Hell group to see what funny things, what useful things, what interesting things our listeners have posted to help each other during this time. It's it's a great place. And you can find that on Facebook just by searching for What Fresh Health Podcast. Great. Well, as we wrap up, I am going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? AKA, <laughs> what is your minimalist moment of the week? Mine is definitely attacking the outgrown playroom and making it more age specific and really getting rid of. I find myself with like, well, they might someday want to go back to Beyblades. Uh, uh, no, Beyblades are over in our house. We're getting rid of them. Everything, it's an everything must go sale out of our playroom, except for we're not <laughs> selling it. We're just giving it out, giving it away to other people. And we have a um, free cycle board in the town that's very yeah. active, you know, um, a giveaway site. And I do notice at this time, people are saying, I'll spray it. I'll leave it out on the curb, but somebody come get it. And everyone's kind of trading their stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, my other minimalist tip is that we've gotten very into jigsaw puzzles. Mm -hmm. During this time, we do one once. We always have a jigsaw puzzle going. And a jigsaw puzzle, once you've done it, you're done with it. You really Mm -hmm. don't. You know, there's a temptation to put it back on the shelf. So I started a Facebook group that was um, puzzle trading. And we're all trading our puzzles at the end. And then the only rule of the puzzle trade is I never want to see this puzzle again. Like once you take it, it, you get rid of it. Don't give it back to me. It goes out into the puzzle universe. That's a great (laughs) idea. What about you, Amy? I have found a kind of new delight in this morning. I'm not much of a cook, um, but I'm becoming one, right? Uh, In this moment, it is forcing it out of me. And what I am discovering that I kind of love is getting top chef creative with the stuff that we already have in the pantry. Like um, I made like chicken enchiladas this week. I made like, like whatever. I'm making new things I've never made before. Cause it's like, Hmm, rotisserie chicken, sour cream, half a jar of salsa mm-hmm. and these tortillas that are going to expire tomorrow. I am finding kind of joy in scrounging together the odds and ends that we have around the house. Sometimes have for many years. I used a can of tomatoes last night that, allegedly expired two years ago it's fine and um and using it up mm-hmm. and and then maybe not replacing it right like why do I have a can of tomatoes that expired two years ago why did I buy this in the first place I, I hope that I can sort of clear out my pantry and my shelves and then not feel the need to restock it with every single thing that's something I have really noticed I open our closet our pantry it's like a small little 
you know, cabinet, but I open it and it's often now half empty. Usually it's overflowing. Mm -hmm. Like where will the stuff go? Mm -hmm. And it's because we're using stuff and then we're not replacing it. And what a revelation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same over here. I can relate to that. And my last question for both of you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? So this can be anything that you're excited about in relation to either minimalism or just like I had someone on here that was excited about their massage chair. So whatever you're excited about right now. For me, this is Margaret. It's that mostly hoping to support a local business. I was getting some deliveries from the bookstore and I have re- found my love of reading during this whole period. And that's been a really nice revelation. I feel like I have become a person who like lies in bed and checks social media and then falls asleep. And I'm now taking an hour a day to sit in the comfy chair in the house or if pray God, the sun comes out in our chair on the deck Mm -hmm. and reading for an hour and my kids are playing or not not getting my supervision because I'm tired of supervising them mm-hmm. and realizing that there is time in the day to read has been a lovely thing. And then what about you? Um, I have discovered zoom workouts. Like I I've done workouts online. Mm-hmm. I love to do workouts in person. And this, there's this new hybrid that has uh, come up, right. Where you're doing uh, a yoga class. One I can recommend is rhythm yoga mm-hmm. on Facebook. They're doing small zoom classes. And I, I went in the first time and, you know, I had my camera turned off. I'm not teaching the class. And the yoga instructor, Kat, who was a friend of mine, she was like, look, just put your camera on. Like, let's all see each other. And there's something about it. Like I am, I realize I'm like, you know, clawing at any sense of, of social connection and real life interaction right now. Um, but to do these, to do this zoom yoga Mm -hmm. with this instructor who I know and, you know, four or five other women, some of whom I know, some of whom I don't, Mm -hmm. and just seeing each other in our living rooms with our like rug pushed aside, doing our thing. I I just find it deeply satisfying. And it's not just the yoga. It's the like, it's the like seeing all of us trying to do something together. Mm -hmm. And there's another one called corebarfit.com where they're doing zoom classes for like 50, a hundred, 200 people at a time. Oh, wow. And I'm loving it. I'm loving the like, hi, everybody. Hi, hi. Hi from New York. Hi from Switzerland. And then you do your class and then it's like, thanks everybody. Bye. It's this, it's, it's like lifting my soul up right now just to see other people doing something with me at the same time. So that's, that's getting me through. Yeah. I think at the end of this, we will all have a greater appreciation for that human connectivity, just not taking Mm. it for granted. And yeah, there's so much I think that we can take away from this period that is making me hopeful for just the way that we'll start to live after this. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. I just appreciate your time. And like I said, I'll make sure that I link your podcast in the show notes because it's just, it cracks me up and you both are just so you provide a good balance of conversation. So I just appreciate you being here today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. This was fun. What did you think of the interview? I've been a fan of the What Fresh Hell podcast for a couple of years now, and Amy and Margaret were just as charming as they come across on their show. I just really love the dynamic they bring to conversation, and I appreciate the honest answers they gave when it comes to being a minimalist and being not so minimalist. So I'm curious to know what you all thought. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find the links to the Instagram account, the Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Join me back here next week as I bring you my conversation with the co-founder and chief learning officer of Tinker Garden, Megan Fitzgerald. We will discuss nature as a classroom, open-ended play, and much more 
This is one conversation that I'm just so excited to bring to you guys as my own children actually participated in Tinker Garden a couple years ago. So I was so happy to get the chance to speak with Megan. So I hope that you're able to join me back here next week for that one. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.